when you put the realistic hurdles and expectations of a business that only so many people actually are successful in, when they put it on the table, if everything goes, yeah, I'll do this, then that's when I think I've seen people actually be able to. And the people who tend to be able to do that are people who aren't too sensitive because there's gonna be a lot of no's in the industry. You'll hear, hear like they always say, you're gonna hear a thousand no's, but that one yes will open the door. That, that's totally true. You're gonna hear tons of people saying no until you get to a certain degree of excellence. And then you hear a lot more yeses. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Adam McInnes. Adam is a songwriter, producer, and artist in blockbuster movies. He's gained over 70 million views by placing his songs on TV and film. He's had tracks placed on VH1, MTV, HBO, ESPN, Fox, ABC, CMT, basically like every every network that you would recognize, he's been there, which is awesome. And he's created something called the Billboard 500 Club, which is an online music network where Grammy Award winners, A&R, sync agents, and platinum artists really help to network and teach you what they've learned. And it's really the, the lessons that they've learned that helped them to make great music, to be able to market to their fans in an authentic way, be able to get paid doing what they love. So- I'm super excited to have Adam here on the podcast. We're going to be talking through sync success and really getting back in touch with your music and who you are so that you can you know, make a bigger positive impact with, with your music. So Adam, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, to kick things off, I'd love to hear just a little bit about your story and kind of how you got started and, and found your way here. We were just talking a little bit like backstage before we started the interview and Adam, he's in Costa Rica and he's doing some really cool stuff with retreats. So I'd love to hear just a little bit about your story and how you got started with this. Sure. Well, the quick story of music is I was raised in New York and I was around all different kinds of listening to different kinds of music growing up. There wasn't really a, a genre or like, I didn't even know about racism because everyone was so different and the culture so mixed in my schools. So I was really infused with hip hop and reggae and rock and singer songwriters and poetry and all these things. But I wasn't talented. I was just, I was just surrounded by it. And my mother was a singer. So I would always hear her sing. And I was in college. And I remember got to that point where everyone's like, what are you going to do for a living? Like, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'll probably just write scripts because I, I like, I like writing stuff for movies. And I think I can get into that. And while I was going to school to write scripts, a couple of friends who were, who were singers in the local area were, were getting a lot of visibility. They were getting scouted for, for major opportunities because they were like amazing singers. And I was asked to write some songs because they said, oh, well, you write scripts and scripts are kind of like songs. So maybe you can make shorter versions of scripts, which are songs. Hmm. And so I started kind of dabble in that. And one of the songs ended up on like local radio and people were putting it in the rotation. And at the time, the girlfriend that I was dating, she signed a, who was singing my demos. She would go in the studio and sing her demos. And I would, I would create lyrics and she'd sing them as well. She signed a really big record deal for like $3.6 million with uh, Motown Universal. And so in college, I basically went from being the boyfriend who's trying to write poetry scripts and then 
now I'm also the, the security guard for my girlfriend who's now traveling around the world and, and working in these massive sessions with people like Diane Warren and, and Jermaine Dupree. And they have her on this whole roster. And I was just there to, to see it all and to kind of not only be a fly in the wall, but I'm very inquisitive. So I was able to ask questions and get direct answers from people in the beginning of my career. I'm sitting there with, you know, massive Grammy award winners from the biggest songwriters in the world. And I'm asking them, how do they get here? And how does this work? And so I was able to get a, a lot of information in the beginning. And I always enjoyed entrepreneurship. I, I was like, as a kid, I was selling like, you know, candy out of my locker or, or paintballs or something that if someone needed something. I was like, oh, maybe I can turn this into a little business because we didn't have money growing up. So I figured, oh, if I can make a little bit here. And then I realized something really quick in the music industry is that most musicians didn't know the business. And so I realized, oh, I'm not good at music. I can't sing. I don't play instruments. I like to write, I like to write lyrics and, and things like that. But I need to learn this business thing because all the talented people don't know this thing. So I realized there was like this, this separation. So the more talented people I met, the less they knew about the business. So I figured, okay, if I learn the business right now and I can build talent because talent is just a skill set. And so I was like 22 years old, 21 years old. I was completely tone deaf. I went to some vocal coaches. They told me, don't sing. You, you, you actually can't hear the pitch. And I remember hearing them say that and going, but you don't know me. You're just saying based on today. So today, someone who's never tried, really tried singing, you're saying, I can't do it today. But I know anything that someone can do is repeatable by anyone else, as long as it's not hereditary. So mm. you're telling me I can't sing today. It's because I'm not practicing. But if I practice, I'll figure this thing out. And mm. so what I realized in the upcoming years was that when it came to pitch, and so if anyone listened to this, so if someone tells you you can't sing, you're not, you're tone deaf, don't listen to them. It's just you haven't figured out how to tap into what vibration is yet. So what I started doing was hitting the piano scales and trying to sing the notes. And at first I was, I could tell I was off. Like I wasn't hitting what was there, but as I got closer and closer, I would start to feel a vibration. And if I was sharp, it would go really fast. And if I was flat, it would go really slow. And when I hit it right, it was like a perfect smoothness. So instead of trying to learn how to sing, I had to learn how to find smoothness in the notes instead of this whole thing of like, you're off pitch. It was like, no, I didn't find the smooth, the smooth vibration yet. And then as I developed that and started to understand that I started to pick up instruments and I, and piano and, bass and guitar and learn how to sing. And I started to develop these, these skill sets. Since I knew the business, I was able to kind of get into it quicker because a lot of the things that people were making mistakes doing, I just wasn't doing those things. I made mistakes along the way, but luckily I had a bit of foundation. So that was, we're talking about years, years ago, but that was like the foundation. And I had some really great mentors that I worked with. I learned some good things from them. I saw them do some bad things, but realized I didn't want to do that. And as like I said, you kind of kind of learn things along the way. And I started getting songs on TV shows. And that was like the beginning of it, of placing stuff. I think my first placement was in 2005 or something like that. Like that's when I first understood, wait, if you get on this thing called TV and you have a song and people like it, you mean you don't have to pay for promotion? So everyone else is like, how do I get on the radio? I want to get on the radio. I kept hearing people say this and I go, but who pays to go on the radio? You do. You're, you're paying for that. And everyone looked at me like, what do you mean? I'm going, okay, if you get a record deal, they're paying for you to be on the radio. And then you're paying that back. It's not free. But if you get it on a TV show, it's free. And they're paying you. So that, that model just made way more sense in my mind. I'm a very logical person. It's like one plus one equals two to me. Like it's not, you can't, you can't try to warp my mind or 
give me some weird dream thing. I'm going to look at this and go, wait, but these other friends I know are going into debt with these labels. And then over here, I'm getting paid to get on TV. Like, I, I don't know why everyone's shooting for this thing. I'm going to go over here. And so that's what I did. I started focusing, but understanding the sync world, and I, we kind of brought up very briefly, but the sync world is not what people think it is. It's kind of like when someone says uh, a country that no one's been to, people are like, oh yeah, I've seen pictures of it. And you're like, no, no, you've never been there. You don't know what it's actually like. Okay. That's what the sync world is. A lot of people say this word, oh, sync, you get on TV. And I'm like, no, no, but you, it's a whole different side of the business. It's got its own nuanced level understandings. It's got uh, fast turnarounds. You've got to be very, very good at what you do to make a successful living. And unfortunately, I see a lot of people kind of, there's a lot of scams in this music business in general, because wherever there's a treasure, there's going to be sharks swimming around it. So it's, there's people who are like, yeah, you can learn how to do sync from home. And I'm like, what? no, there's like half truths being spilt around this business and a lot of businesses in general. But anyway, that being said, so when I got more understanding of the business, I opened up a recording studio. I started retreats that brought artists to different places, get themselves out of it, out of the, the mainframe, the matrix, and then really just align with some great business partners. And we're working on some wild projects right now that are all all invested only in things that are intentional. We're only working with artists who are intentional. We're only supporting people who are intentional. We're investing in music and films and documentaries. And it's just, we're, we're starting a new lane for people who generally want to be in touch with the reason why they're actually making the art. Because I see right now what's happening is that no one's really caring about that. It's just about eyeballs and shock value and making quick instant gratification attention, but that's not intention. And unfortunately, they're then teaching this mindset and methodology to the next generation. So the way I see what's happening in the, in the modern music um, industry is artists ask questions like, how do, I, how do I break out and how do I do this and how do I do that? And how they find information is they try to source someone who they think is successful. The difference between thinking and knowing is, is, could be valleys. You, know, um, you have no clue what kind of contract that person signed. You have no clue how many writers are on that song. You have no clue who they're in debt to. Like you, being successful is a theory if you don't know if that person is. So what I tend to notice is that when people look at other artists, they look to how they can get there the quickest. And sometimes the quickest is not the best. In a lot of ways, it's not the best because you have no foundation. If you go for the quick way, you might not have understanding of how to do it again because you have no foundation. So what I'm seeing is a society that is basically taking a prod, like an electric prod, and prodding the cattle, which is their fans. And they prod them into, corral them into these little groups. And then they're teaching up and coming artists to then take the torch of the electric prod and do it to them too. So basically artists, which used to be the capturing of beauty, the capturing of, of culture, the capturing of interactions in society is turning into basically prod holders to shock people. And that's not what music is for. It's so far from what music is for that it's, it's, we've taken such a left field from it that myself and my business partners are, are creating a new lane that is really just going back to intention, which is where it should have been kept the whole time. But that's the short of things. Thanks for sharing that, man. That's, that's amazing. There's so much good stuff in there too. Even, even just in terms of you sharing your story, like I, hopefully it's inspiring for a lot of people who maybe they 
have thought like, oh, I'm not talented enough to be a singer. I'm just not, I'm not naturally gifted enough. And it seems like a pretty pervasive myth that like, you know, you're kind of born with it or you're not it's right. Just, and you're living lies, man. It's right. It, like here, here's, here's something that's yeah. wild. And I mean, it cut you off, but I, I, what you just said is so important, right? Where someone else says you're not born with it. You're not talented enough. Okay. We are the only species on this planet that has the largest sound range. We can go from whispering to singing opera. We're the only species that can do that. Okay. Every bird that sings, if another bird says stop singing, it doesn't stop because that's what it uses to call other birds. It's what it uses to connect with humans. What we do is someone in fourth grade said, I don't like your voice. And all of a sudden we make a subconscious contract that we believe that. And so then you ask someone, do you sing? And they go only in the shower. So you're telling me you have this, this ability to go from whispering to singing opera, but you only sing in the shower where no one will see you. Mm. That's the level of how emotional this species is to where someone's thought now becomes your identity. And that's a reflection of showing how, how far we've come from what we really are. Cause there's no way, cause anyone could sing opera. You can just take opera lessons. I guarantee you could take anyone, put them in two years of opera. They will sing opera. Mm. but it's not taught. So if anything, it's like this, you can't do it because you're not born with it. Listen, no kid is born singing. What, they're, what they happens is they're born with a certain ability to mimic and their parents sing or they're in church or they listen to the radio and they basically are a parrot. They can mimic things. They have to develop singing. Singing is a developmental thing, which comes with diaphragm and diction and tone and characterization. It's all those other things, scales and that, that, that's singing. But the ability to mimic you know, that's just some kids can do it. Some kids can't. That's all it is. So for anyone who's hearing this, if someone tells you can't sing, that's you just can't sing today. Doesn't mean you can't sing in two years from now. But singing is different from an industry. And that has to be said as well. Because we have this idea that, that well, it's not just the idea. There's zero barrier of entry anymore for our business. So anyone can release something on Spotify. It doesn't mean it's good. And so there's this thing of like, everyone should be empowered. And the reality is like, no, no, this industry has certain things you have to get past in order to be respected in it. And so to act like everyone should get a ribbon just because they recorded a song in a studio is what is also making this business not as valuable. And it's the reason why artists don't know their worth. It's because we just said, anyone can do it. And whenever you take that with any business, anyone can do it, the value of the business goes down. So the reason why even great artists are being paid 0.004 cents on Spotify is because no one knows how to collect royalties. It's because the majority of artists who are in this world have no clue how to collect their money. So they'll just take anything because they just want validation. That part is the part of the business that we need to understand it. You, anyone can sing, but doesn't mean everyone can be in the music industry. Mm. Those are two different things. It's like anyone can eat food or anyone can cook food, but it doesn't mean everyone should be a chef. Those are mm. completely different things. Mm. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's super, super interesting. And yeah, I think that it's, it's something that with like when you described someone who's growing up and, and they're young and they're told, you know, that you're a bad singer, you can't sing. And that can, yeah. can be like internalized, becomes a belief. And then we could, yeah. it's so like fascinating how, how 
much of our lives and our behaviors are like just determined based on what we decide to believe, <laughs> like the, of, of which thoughts we're like, yep, that one's true or that one's not true. Right. What would you recommend for anyone that's listening to this right now as sort of, cause it can be so hard to point those out in ourselves because we're so close to it. Right. It's like, we just grew up thinking it's true and we just think it's just the way it is. How does someone kind of like look within and kind of point out like maybe those limiting beliefs or those false beliefs, that ones that are like holding them back. The first part is don't be so sensitive. We're living in a society right now that panders to sensitivity and there's no culture or society or civilization ever in the world that pandered to the weak. I mean, that's just the reality. If, if we were went back a thousand years ago and everyone pandered to people who are sensitive, we would not have made it this far. It just wouldn't have happened. So the first part is don't be so sensitive work. I mean, that's just the reality. If, if you want something work for that thing. And I think the first part just comes on how bad you actually want something. So if we're trying to find a process that's repeatable, the first part of the process is why do you want it? That's the first part. Then once you figure out the why, if the why is strong enough, then what are you willing to do to sacrifice to get there? Because if you want something, and let's, let's talk about the music industry. Most people, if I was to ask them, what would you determine would be a place where you'd find yourself feeling like, okay, I feel like I'm at a certain success level. Most people would say, if I was making 100K a year for music, right? Most people would say that. And some people would say, hey, let's 60K. But let's just use the 100K, the six-figure mark, because a lot of people have told me that when I've, ever, when I've asked musicians. Then I go, okay, cool. Well, how much are you willing to sacrifice not going out with friends, you know, being on the road, being in the studio, having to deal with contracts and managers and having to invest probably $100,000 of your own just in your own self? Like, are you willing to do those things? And if the answer is no, then you don't want this thing bad enough, and that's completely fine. You don't have to. But that's what's most likely going to take for you to get that thing to be sustainable because you are still in a competitive space. There's only so many songs on TV shows. There's only so many songs that go on the radio. There's only so many awards that go out. So you are still in a competitive space and there's 60,000 songs released a day. So there's only like a couple thousand musicians who make a living full-time in America. So out of all the people who are the talented kid in high school and all people who play guitar, like everyone knows a guitar player. Everyone knows a person who plays piano, right? But how many of those people are successful at it? the number goes, and most people don't have two friends who make over 100K making music. Most people don't, unless you're in the business, then it's like a normal thing. But if you're not in the business, you're like, I don't know. So first it's the why, then it's the what, like what are you willing to sacrifice? And then I would also say is how long are you able to give yourself until you get there? Because some people actually have this idea of like a time limit on excellence, which Excellence doesn't have a time limit on them. They have it on it. Like if it took you 20 years to become excellent at what you do, who cares? You became excellent. That's, that's great. But if you're like, no, 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 I need it in three years or it's not worth it to me. Then it's like, okay, we're on two different pages with reality here. So that's why I said the thing about sensitivity, because, because the program of today's conscious society is saying things come fast. They come exorbitant. It means you have masses of them. they become shocking. And, and then you can ride this wave up. And that's what everyone's thinking of. When you put the realistic hurdles and expectations of a business that only so many people actually are successful in, when they put it on the table, if everything goes, yeah, I'll do this. Then that's when I think I've seen people actually be able to. And the people who tend to be able to do that are people who aren't too sensitive because there's gonna be a lot of no's 
in the industry. You'll hear, you're hear, like they always say, you're gonna hear a thousand no's, but that one yes will open the door. That, that's totally true. You're gonna hear tons of people saying no until you get to a certain degree of excellence. And then you hear a lot more yeses and yeses start to become kind of normal. And then you expect people to say yes. So therefore you come in with leverage and you come in with trying to create win-wins because you know, they're going to say yes. So how do we make this the best yes we possibly can? But to get to that point, there's gonna be a lot of no's and those no's are just learning opportunities. Those no's are just like, okay, well, why did you say no? Ah, because I was off pitch. I need to get on pitch. Why did you say no? Ah, because my production in the mix wasn't too good. I need to work on that. So those if you can listen to the word no, and then say, why? Mm. If you can do that and you can grow from it, then you're always going to get better every single day. Like day after day, you're getting better. But if you hear the word no and go, well, you know what? I don't care. And, and sensitivity and, blah, 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 and all that stuff, then it usually just divides who you, what you really want to be and who you really want to. And then all of a sudden you waste too much time. So the first thing I said, that's why I went to sensitivity. It's the mm. first part of it all. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now and one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of music mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Yeah, that's that's so good. And it, it really kind of connects with what you're saying about not um, taking things so personally or thinking that I feel like for some people, if they hear a no and they get defensive about it, it's because they feel like the no is personal to them or like, you know, because you said no to me, it's like, I'm not good enough because they're afraid they're not, they don't realize that they're, that they're able to get better. They might not take the no as constructively as, you know, someone who has an open mindset, like you're talking about that recognizes the no doesn't necessarily, it's not personal. It's not like, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not good enough right now. Or like, there's, there's something to learn here. It's I can improve. I can, you know, I, and taking that, you know, rather than shutting down, using that as like a learning opportunity seems like such an important mindset that, that you just shared. Well, I think it is a personal thing. 
because it's personally about you. That mm. I, I think it is a personal thing. And I think that mm. once again, people are too sensitive. So if someone says, no, this song is not good, they're saying it to you. They're saying that maybe the mix isn't good enough. The production is not good enough. Like you're competing with other people who are much better personally than you. Mm. And I think that's the part that because there's an expectation and what I tend to notice is people get depressed when they've created an expectation that doesn't meet their reality, or they've been given certain entitled expectations to where other things were said yes to. And then when there's a real no, and this no has been built up to be this big thing in their mind, their own adrenaline, their own dopamine has created this image that when it doesn't happen, they, that it's that reflection of those chemicals come back at them because they put it out there. Does that make sense? Like they've created the, the thoughts, they created the dreams, all those is basically adrenaline, dopamine, serotonin, they're creating this. They hear no, they get a reflection of a shot back and then they get depressed because they get woof with a bunch of chemicals that make them drop, right? Mm -hmm. So what I think it, personally, when we say that word is every no is a chance to figure out how you can turn it into a yes. That's it. So if someone mm -hmm. says, this song didn't work, and you say, why not? If they say, oh, well, we have five songs and you're against Sia, well, that's different. But if they're like, you're off pitch, that's a personal thing. And that's something you can work on. So when they say no, and you say, okay, tell me why. Oh, that's like a turn to a yes. I'll be back in six months. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the way that not only is it a healthy way to, to learn, constantly learn, is to say, even if I'm not ready for something now, that's just because I was came before I had all the information. Now let me get the information and come back because I got in this door. I'm sure I can get in this door again. Mm. That that's the mentality I think is the best way to take. Mm. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. One thing I, I would love to, to talk to you about, because it, it sounds like you know, something that's made a huge impact on, on your life and your career and your success has been, you know, surrounding yourself or early finding the right mentors and the people that, have been able to, to guide you along the path. And so I think a, a lot of people, almost everyone like feels like, gosh, I need a mentor. I need like a guide, like I need someone to like help. But a lot of us, we don't necessarily know, like how do we find that person or who's the right person? Who can we trust? And yeah. um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on one, like your own mentors. How, how did you find your mentors? What kind of impact do they have? And how can someone who's listening to this right now find the, the right mentor for them? Michael, that's a really good question. So I'm gonna tell you the, the short and the long answer. <laughs> All right. The short answer is mentors are always looking to mentor people who are similar to them. They, they see people who are reflections of the younger selves, right? Mm. So if someone's successful, they probably had a really great work ethic. They probably took a lot of no's. They learned how to make them into yeses. They probably made a lot of mistakes. They probably had to be humbled and they probably uh, learned to constantly keep growing and work and showed up. And that word showing up is so important because there's a lot of people that if I was to say, this is going to happen at 1 p.m. today, everyone will be there on time. You're going to see people come late. So the person who's showing up is someone who's like, no, I'm going to be there 15 minutes early because I'm going to make sure I'm front in line. That's the kind of show up when I say that word. Most of the mentors who are very successful, they can recognize when someone was the earlier version of themselves, they want to help that person. Cause like, I was, I was exactly there. I know what that guy's going through. I know what that girl's going through and, and I can help them because if they can mm -hmm. just see the things I saw, they would be on this similar path. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part about mentorship regarding my mentors. I met people at 
like, especially when I was first interning. And I think internship is so important. People ask me all the time, like, Adam, what do you think about internship? And I go, well, obviously it depends on who you're interning for, you know, don't intern for a, a maniac. But if you're just talking about the act of working for free to in exchange for learning knowledge that you can't find somewhere else, then that's a hundred percent. Yes. And there's too many people who think they need to be paid before they've even actually gotten any credits or any value. And they're like, well, I graduated Berkeley. I'm like, so what is that? So what does that mean? You still have to be an intern. You, you, you haven't worked in real sessions with major artists. You still have not written a song that is a placeable song yet. Your productions still need work. Like you're not ready to be paid yet. So this idea because you went to college and you spent money means you now deserve to be paid is just crazy because if I was to put you in the room with a hit producer, they would, they would mop the floors with you. Like you wouldn't even be able to hang the speed. If you told me you're one of the best and I saw it, that's different. That's different. But even then you probably want to intern because then you can show the people in the room how great you are. And they'll be like, oh my God, this person's so good. So no matter how it works, you get to kind of take a back door into the nightclub by being an intern. You know, you don't need, you don't need to show your ID. You just walk in the door and everyone's like, oh yeah, you're the intern here. And then you show them what you can do. And next thing you know, you start working on projects. Mm. So there's this, concept that by interning you're wasting time and and it's so far from the truth by interning you're learning the secrets of the people who spent 15 years to figure out all the hacks so for most musicians let's say or i'll speak from producers because that, that's a lot of things people like as producers and songwriters and artists they can take two weeks to finish a song and two weeks finishing a song in any real record industry is way too long unless you're working on the hit record single, right? And that you're doing mixing, but I'm talking and like over and in takes and all this stuff. But I'm talking about the writing and production process takes about six hours for anyone professional. You're in and out, the song is done. Like I'm in so many camps when people all around the world and six hours, we're done with the whole entire song. So when someone says two weeks, I go, do you know how much you would learn from being an intern to figure out how to get to six hours? How much time you would save of your life if you learned all the hacks that, that we can show you? And so I remember we had an intern one time, he had graduated college. And so he thought like, I'm an intern, I'm an engineer. So we put him on a couple of sessions and he just was not quick enough. He, his organization wasn't there. When we asked him to, to reorganize some things, we're like, hey, throw some of these samples in places that you think they would sound good in. He wasn't even throwing them on the right beats and the measures. And I'm like, wait a second, this guy's a college graduate. And he's literally doing things that are so far from paying for like, so he, he spent money on this and they did not teach him the right things. And then at one point he came to me after work, only working for us for like three weeks and he made tons of mistakes. He was like, Adam, I really need to start getting paid because I can't, you know, keep coming. And so we said, Hey man, listen, you're no, we're trying to be, we're trying to help you you are so far from being paid in a real studio that there's no way we can do it. But there's also no one around here who will hire someone unless they're really quick. You know, we're in Los Angeles and any big studio needs really, all the engineers in big studios are great in LA. There's no, there's no kind of sort of. Everyone in a big studio in LA is a really great engineer. Great, they can even produce vocals. So it's just this expectation, I think, of I want something because I just paid for something. I and mean, that doesn't always transcend. So internships, I think, is great for mentors. Obviously, the Billboard 500 Club, that's the club that, that I run. That's a beautiful place for mentors because we have over 40 mentors. We have uh, Grammy Award. There's, there's eight award winners in there. Grammy Award winners, Platinum Producers, BMI Award winners, ASCAP Award winners, K-Pop Award winners. So in that group, 
not only do we have music people, but we also have business investors who come in and teach on business. So we have, we have a guy in there who's a billionaire who teaches on business. We have entertainment lawyers who come in and teach on reading contracts. They will literally take out your contract and read it for you and show everyone how they would negotiate it. So in that, in that club, and it is the reason that the artists in that club are learning more information than any artist that I've worked with in the beginning of their career. And I've worked with tons of upcoming artists, but if you were to take any of the artists from that club and put them in the room with other artists, our club would just like run around circles with people, but it's because of the information it's, it's, it's strictly and because of the community. So it's like when someone learns something, they'll even show their collaborator in the room. Like, Hey, did you learn this from the last mentor? Oh, I'll, ch- I'll show you. We watched the video. Let's take notes. So it's a different thing. Now the, I will say the last part about mentors is some people that you meet, you're going to be given an opportunity on if you are ready for that opportunity or not. And what I mean by that, that is sometimes you're going to meet people. It's going to feel like synchronicities because it is. And you were meant to meet that person. You were meant to hear that person. You were meant to run in contact with them. And you can feel it. You're like, oh, there's something here. Like there's some, I don't know what it is. Like we kind of know each other, but we don't know each other. You ever had that, that feeling where it's like, how do we know each other, right? And you might be given an opportunity, but if your ego or your fear holds you back, that's where the actual choice of your career just happened. That that's the splitting of the, the roads in a sense. If you were to follow the, the remove the ego, remove the fear, remove all that stuff, you might follow down a path where someone's actually going to open up everything for you and show you all these things and change your life. But if the fear and the ego part are more part of your identity, then what happens in that is that you tend to not see the opportunity or you throw it away or then you don't validate it. So I've seen a lot of that. So when, I come, when it comes to mentors, that's the best thing I can say is internships, finding people who are like the older version of you, removing your ego or your fear, because that tends to head up, that, that hurts a lot of people nowadays. I see so many people lose opportunities because their ego. They, they think that they're like right around the corner of being famous because they saw someone else on TikTok do it. And then they'll get good opportunities and they just ruin them. Like I've seen a lot of that. But then at the same time, they'll go and complain like, so hard to find a team and you're like no you're the person who's destroying the teams it's you mm. so that's the best thing i say mentorships mm. that's that's so good man yeah mentor mentorship i feel like that's one of the most important you know things that determine someone's success versus versus failing is like having finding having the right thousand mentor being willing to learn a thousand percent there's, one, there's a there's a quote that, that that I heard, like this idea of, you know, that we tend to become like the five people that we surround yep. ourselves with, yep. right? That that network effect is so important. Yeah, I've personally invested over $150,000 in the past, you know, two years in, in mentorship yep. and 1000%, you know, it's like one of the best investments because it yep. buys you back your time, yep. right? So, I mean, as, as you're describing like the, the Billboard 500, I'm like, that sounds really cool. Like I'm, I'm personally interested in that. Like I want to connect more with that. But <laughs> Um, before you move forward, you said that thing. What did, what did you say right after the first thing you said after I talked? You said something. I want to. I was. Yeah, we were talking about ment- just like how valuable mentorship uh, mentorship is, and the, you have the five people that you surround yourself with. Okay. Yes. So what I was going to say was what I also tend to notice in that part about what you said about investing. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a major part of it. Is that in the school systems, people aren't taught how money works. So. There's only, and I made this list and I posted it in our club. So I created a list that's basically the eight commodities that are on this planet. 
right? And we're trading them and bartering them at all times, even if you don't know it. So one of the things, let's say money, which is on that list, people aren't taught how savings work. They're not taught how interest rate works, loans, credit cards. None of that stuff is actually taught at a high level in schools. So when people get out of school and they're given a credit card or they're given the opportunity to spend money on things, when you say you should spend money on mentorship or you should spend money on that, there's this mindset of like, no, I'm going to do it on my own. But here's, mm. here's the trick about this, right? Most of the artists that are on top Billboard 500, uh, top Billboard 100, like the charts and Grammy Award winners, let's just go through some of them. Demi Lovato, mentored since she's a kid. Not only did she have vocal coaches, but she had acting coaches and she was on TV. So she had directors and producers, everyone mentoring her, telling her how to become what she did. Uh, Demi Lovato, I uh, said Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus, Ed Sheeran, Adele, Amy Winehouse, Maroon 5, Lil Wayne, Drake, Jermaine Dupri, Pharrell, Chad Hugo, Timbaland. If I went Ryan Tedder, just go through all the people who had mentors that they were on a TV show or like Chris Aguilera and Britney Spears, these people all had mentorships. Now it might've been vocal coaches, but that's a mentor. Might've been a director, but that's a mentor. Might've been a producer, but that's a mentor. These are all people who are already successful at what they were doing and they were able to teach it to someone else who was younger than them. That's what a mentor is. So if you're not around those types of people, it's much better to pay for it than to wait for it. It's so much better to pay for it because then you get it instantly. You know, if you pay for it, that means next week you're starting, you're getting the actual information. If you wait for it, it could be years until you're at the level to where you're even reflecting, like I said before, of what a mentor want to mentor into you to take the time because it does take time. So I noticed that when you, when you actually see the artist out there and you go, oh my God, all these people have mentored by like high level mentors, not just kind of good. We're talking about Beyonce had an amazing bold coach who worked with her for like seven, eight years. That's why she sings like that. Hmm. If I told someone else, you should probably hire a vocal coach. They'd be like, oh, but I don't have the money. And it's like, yeah, but you have the flat screen TV and you have the $30,000 car and you got that leather jacket and the leather couch and all these other things you could pay for. But when I say pay for the thing that's gonna actually make you a career, then all of a sudden it's, I can't, I can't, I don't have. So there's this scarcity mindset that's taught to musicians, you know, surrounding this idea of like struggling musician. And I think that theory is just a program that has kept people almost like, in their own sense of mental slavery for many years, especially with musicians, to where it's kind of like a rite of passage. Oh, well, I'm a struggling musician. I'm like, yeah, but you got a car. So you have a $15,000 car, right? All right, well, then you're not struggling that bad. And you have a credit card, they give you a credit card. That means you can use it to buy equipment. You can use it to buy things. You can use it to build up your business, right? But if I was saying this to an entrepreneur, at least an entrepreneur who went to real entrepreneurship school, not business school and college, entrepreneurship school, they would understand that. And here's the simple reason why they don't have an, a, a connection between their identity and ego based on something that comes from them, like their voice or their music. Right. So if I say to an entrepreneur, you got to invest in your own stuff. They're like, hell yeah, I do. Cause they read the Gary V book and the Tony Robbins book and rich dad, poor dad. And they read the, all the millionaire fat. They read the things that they understand. And, or if you want to make a million dollars, you're going to have to invest in yourself. It's not given to you. If you say it to a musician, they haven't read those books. They don't know that information. They've only seen movies on TV shows and all the movies and all TV shows have the same exact plot. And here's what's scary. I'm gonna say the plot and you're gonna realize it's, it's the same thing through all of them. Mm. There's a kid who wants to be a singer. Parents tell them, 
don't put your time into this. It's not worth it. So the kid sings in the mirror and just keeps playing around, sings in the mirror and sings in the shower. And the friend, a best friend knows that they sing, but they don't do it publicly. The person grows up, they go to a bar or open mic one night and they're on stage. There's a bunch of people drinking in the audience and they get on stage to sing a song. The lights come on them. It's almost blinding them a bit. You're smiling because you're like, oh, I've seen this movie. It starts to blind them a little bit. They get to the microphone and the microphone feed, feeds back every time. It's like, yeah, <laughs> right? And they tap on it. They're like, check, check, check. And someone's like, just sing the song already. There's hecklers in the crowd, right? It's their first time, but there's still hecklers already. And then all of a sudden the person closes their eyes and they have a flashback to like grandma telling them they could do anything they wanted or something like that. Just believe in yourself. It's some sort of flashback that takes them into place. Next thing you know, they start to sing and they always start off very quiet. And they're just reading the room like, is everyone accepting me now? And then the big note starts to come. And all of a sudden they start to unleash this voice. And it's like time stands still. And everyone like drops their jaw like, oh, my God, look at this person. And they hit these big notes and they, they shock themselves, which is such bullshit because no art, every artist knows what they're capable of doing. So there's no like, oh, my God, I didn't even know I could hit that note. But I did the first time here in front of people. So then what happens, they run off stage and the best friend's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. That was wild. Oh, my God. And at the same time, there just happens to be a producer or manager in that audience just happens to be there. And the first time they actually sang the big note, they just happen to be there. And they say to the person, you know what? I think I can take you in the studio. I think, I think we can do something together. They don't ask the person, who do you manage? They don't ask them like, what are your credits? They instantly just go, Oh, and they keep the card. They keep the business card. And the best friend says, you better call that person. You better do it. And they're like, should I, should I not? Now they're questioning it. And they're going to call them, right? And the rest of the movie is showing the highs and the lows of them just going to recording studios totally free. No one talks about the contracts or how much it costs or who's coming in. And then it's the success and then sex, rock and roll and drugs. And they just show the ups and downs throughout the roller coaster. Now they're on jet, jets and everything, drinking champagne. They always have sunglasses on. It's this, you've seen this movie because it's in every movie, right? That's the only information that artists actually have to start building a career. It's those mm. movies. It's those TikToks of people showing money. It's, it's, it's a faked storyline. Mm. And so these entrepreneurs who are reading hardcore books and going to hardcore events and learning from hardcore mentors is because those mentors don't care about ruffling some feathers by saying, you got to work. But if you said to musicians, they might say, but I, it's some, so, I think someone says either natural. It's either you're born with it or not. Mm. So that comes down to all that. <laughs> thank you that's so good that that narrative and it's it's totally on point i mean that's like the through line and so so many of those and, and i think you're right that, that that's part of the reason that we've always been like brainwashed to like think that that's just the, the way that it is you know, one of my favorite analogies when it comes to this idea of like you know investing and you know kind of this idea of wanting to get something for nothing right like like something doesn't like come from like investments it's like planting a a seed and like growing into a tree like like the tree it doesn't just magically appear there. Like, you know, it's like you plant the seed and then you have like to nurture it and it takes time and, and like, you know, dedication, like you gotta keep like coming back. And if you try to dig it up too fast, then you're going to be hurting. Like the tree's not going to grow and the fruit's not going to be there from day one. Like, you know, you gotta like, you, know, you gotta keep on, on, you, you know, something doesn't come from nothing. Like it comes from this investment, like putting it into when it, it grows. So I think that what, yeah, the, what you're sharing is, is so on point. And what, and what you said about a tree, I'll just expand on what you said is also the fruit is not ready until it's ripe. Mm. So just because you're growing a fruit does not mean it's ready to be picked yet. Mm. 
And that's mm. another part too, is that some people will rush. Like, I, I want to get a record deal. I'm like, you have 200 subscribers. I'm like, whoa, slow down. I want to get a publishing deal. How many songs have you written? I've written five, five. Okay, slow down. You're not ripe yet. And once again, it's that, that thing of wanting something so fast because of an idea, but no one actually showing your process. And I thought about this. I have never seen on a TV show, on a, on a, on a, like a, you know, entertainment tonight or an actual documentary where someone sat down and said, let me show you how many songs we've actually written before we found the hit. And let me show you how all those songs were great sounding songs. It wasn't just like a pile of crap. It's like we recorded 60 songs for this album. So there's, you heard 12 and you like the 12, but there's 60 and they were all written by hit songwriters. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's just these, these, these very high filtered rooms created all this music and they just pick up the even highest filter to show to you because that's not seen. There's a lack of, of massive amounts of information. And because of the lack of information, it's almost like not having a compass on a map because no one's actually showing you where North is. So you're just like, okay, I got this map and I know I want to go to this country, but what's the best way to get there? Cause no one's really showing me. And that to me is unfortunate about the music industry. And I, I partly think the reason why it's not shown is because if people actually lift up the veil, they would realize that a lot of it's smoke and mirrors. And so no one's lifting up the veil and saying, oh, no, no, you think she made how much? No, 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 she didn't make that much. They just put that in the tabloids to make everyone think that she was that. No, no, that's not how much she made. Not at all. Like that, how many downloads? No, 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 that wasn't that many downloads. The label bought 200,000 downloads. That's how they did it. You know what I mean? If people actually saw how the business worked, then it wouldn't drive the idea of this, this, this thinking. And right now there's just a lot of, I want to be out there because I want everyone to know who I am because I want to be famous. And it's unfortunate because uh, if you look around, the fame of today is not the fame of 30 years ago. So why would anyone want this? Like, I'm just keeping it real. You know, you got people on stage at, at doing things that you're like, it's like children and you have people's lives thrown out on public and, you know, people are trying to hack their phones and other people are trying to get links so they can click on the tabloids. It's like clickbait about someone else's personal life. This, per- this is an actual person. They have a real life. They're a husband, their father, their wife, their mother. These people are real people. Paparazzi is stalking, but we call it paparazzi. Now everyone's got a phone. So everyone's part of the paparazzi. It's like, where did, where did things go left? And so for anyone who's like, I want that. I'm like, listen, I don't think you know what you're getting into. You should be doing music because you love music. You should not be doing music because you want the fame of today. Because this stuff will, the fame of today is, is trying to see you fall. That's how they make money on their, on their clicks is something that's shocking that happens. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's so true. Yeah. And it's, it's so, like one kind of question mark uh, in my mind is like, it seems it's a a very common quote, right? Like what leads or what bleeds leads. Right. And like, we tend to like our brains just go to the, the, the shocking stuff we did. And it's almost like a natural, a natural thing that we have to like kind of set things up intentionally in order to, you know, avoid our minds just reacting to those kinds of things. I feel like it's kind of a good segue to before we officially started the interview, you were telling me about how you're in Costa Rica and you have these retreats and it's really about kind of reconnecting with the essence of who, who you are and kind of unplugging from the shock and the awe. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about your retreats and, and what you guys are doing. Sure. Well, the things that I can share, because there's certain parts of our retreats that 
it's kind of a, a formula and a process that that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. So I, I that some of that stuff I have to keep a bit private. But the parts that I would explain is that whenever you're away from, and I'll, I call it the matrix, but I mean, high levels of dopamine, adrenaline, shock, when you're away from that, an interesting thing happens with your body, which it goes back to its homeostasis setting point. It goes back to its reset calibration. It takes a couple of days for that to happen. Sometimes it could take a week. You know, Sometimes it takes two weeks, but there is a moment where it happens. You actually feel it. For myself, when I first started coming out here, I remember I was a total night owl. I would always like, I make, I, I'd stay up in the studio all night long and that's where I make my best music. And, you know, I was still drinking and I still would smoke cigarettes. And that like, that was just part of the, the years of thinking like, oh, this is all part of living. Like, this is that part this is how the party is. Right. And then after I spent a little bit of time and then my body started to, to recalibrate and I started to take a sip of something, I was like, wait, that doesn't taste the same. Like it doesn't taste the same. That's weird. And I go to smoke a cigarette and like, Oh, this tastes disgusting. Like, why does it taste disgusting? That's weird. Cause I used to smoke these things. Why does it taste weird? And I started to realize when you're around back in nature, when you're really back in nature, when you have no pollution, which means remove that filter, when you have fresh foods, which means you're now creating a body, like you're putting things into your body that are actually in alignment with your body. That's a big thing, which means there's no additives. There's no, there's no chemicals that you're actually, your body's reacting exactly how it should. So before, if I was to have like a chocolate bar, because it had so many chemicals in my body already, it was just like, all right, whatever. we got tons of stuff in here already. We'll take it on. But after I started to eat healthier, then all of a sudden you eat something like that. And you're like, oh, I can taste that. This does not, this is something's wrong with this. Like something's not, it's not, it's not pure. There's something off. Right. Mm. So as that started to continue, your sleep goes back to normal pattern where you actually want to wake up with the sunrise. You actually want to go to sleep when the sun goes down and like your creativity starts to come and it comes in massive waves because you're not being bombarded with text messages and phone calls and buy now you don't see on sale buy now hurry up there's no stoplights there's no press green go fast and people trying to run people over and and people on uh, caffeine like ah, i need to get there and there's no peacocking of i'm wearing gucci and you're not so you're not in my all that stuff is removed which means i have to see you for who you actually are which for some people that's scary because that means they have to unmask for the first time in a long time so we have to unmask, you have to take off your high heels. They don't, they don't serve you out here. To take off your makeup, that doesn't serve you out here. To take off your ego as a guy of like, I'm the big guy. No, you're out here by yourself. You don't have your whole team. Your crew is not here. All of a sudden, what happens is that people really do get back to being people. And when that happens, you start to create a tribe. And you most tribes are based, if you think of the word community, communities are based on common unity. That's what the word means. And communication so when you get back to square one, those things are at the very center point of how you interact. So it, that's like the, the mainframe of the retreats is we bring it back to square one with healthy foods and you know, you're in the water. So your skin is being detoxified by the salt and you got vitamin D from the sunlight and you have uh, gyrotonics and Pilates and chef catered meals and all this stuff is built in a place to where it's to make you the healthiest feeling. And it's not about... Like the party still goes on. Everyone has a great time. You know, you choose to do whatever you want, but we're not saying the party has to be where you're wasted with poison in your body. And that is such an old paradigm of like, think about it. I, and I didn't start questioning this stuff till I got out of, out for a while. But I remember when I was in college if, or right out of college, when I was living in Los Angeles, you know, you go to a bar and people would sit there and they'd like, let's say if I was talking to a woman or something like that, and they might say, well, are you going to buy me a drink? 
Like there was a, there was a theory of that. Like, are you going to buy me a drink or can I buy you a drink? This whole nonsense. Right. But when you realize that alcohol is actually a poison that goes into your body and disrupts your neural pathways enough to where it makes you not be able to, to make logical decisions that are in your best interest. That theory of buying someone a poison so that way they can't make the best decisions so they can make poor decisions with you is such a low vibration act when you actually call it for what it is and not the branding of it. And I think we've gotten so sucked into the branding of this world because everyone's now a branding expert. But if you look, if you went back and hit, that's why it's called spirits. It's because people would let out a side of them that was not always the best. They were letting out these sometimes spirits. That's what's called wine and spirits. But if you look at this stuff and you go, okay, you're right. Back in the day, they would have had some poison and that was just to get people kind of off their equilibrium in a sense. But now we put it in a nice bottle and we put a nice logo on it and we, we pay someone to just twist the top off and pour it. We have these layers of nuance that create idea of, of like a hierarchy. But when you call it for what it is, it's a bunch of poison in a bottle. That's what it is then all of a sudden you can disconnect from the identity that it creates. And also, unfortunately, the sabotaging elements that it creates. So like I said, the more and more that I spent time away from all of the, I think, stressors. And I'll say that when we have a lot of stresses in our life, which especially living in a first world country creates, there's a lot of stresses from simple things like parking and parking ticket. Like in LA, I just think of the simple things like you have to find parking. Right. So like you have to actually go and like purchase a ticket to park on a street or you have to go in a certain area and like all these little things. And you got you get people who want Starbucks coffee and then you have this kind of food and you have to be on this waiting list. And you have all these little things. You have high rent taxes and all these things. Right. Homeless population is, is going out of control. All these things that are these stresses when you're out there. When you remove those stresses, you don't have to cover them or mask them with alcohol. You don't have to mask them with drugs because they're not actually there. And if you do alcohol or drugs, let's say, you're doing them because you're going to experience maybe a shift in your consciousness for that moment, but not where you want to keep on forging into it because you're trying to, to pack some sort of depressive state. So I tend to notice, and I've met a lot of people, I met a lot of people who, when they came out here, they were addicts of some point, of something, right? Within one year, they're like, I don't even think about it anymore. They're like, I don't even know who that person was. And I've met a lot of people over, over the last couple of years and that they say that same thing, like, yeah, I said, do this, I said that, and, da, da, da. and they're like, I couldn't even think about myself doing that anymore. And I'm like, yeah, because you got out of the most stressful area and you didn't realize how, how much stress you were living under. And that's one thing I've realized. You don't know how much stress you're under until you're away from it. So I think some people have this idea of like, no, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm not stressed. It's like, you're basing off what you think, but you're biological responses, your primal responses are not the same as your thoughts. So if you're having trouble sleeping, if you're constantly looking at your phone, if I don't know if you've seen the people on TikTok now, these, these kids are actually having real tics now where it's, it's a form of, of, of uh, what's it called? Tourette's where they're, they're coming in, they're having these crazy tics and they found that the only thing that they've all had is that they're heavy users of TikTok. And it's wow. because it, it's, it's, actually, it's actually making a mental crack in the way their body reacts to things and, and adrenaline spikes. And they're literally, their bodies can't stop ticking. So these, these things are infecting our hardwire and it's playing with our evolution. So until you get away from them, 
do you actually go, oh my God, I didn't realize because I was in it. I was always on defense mode. And I didn't even know because I was waking up and I was smiling. So I figured everything was good. You don't know until you have it. So anyway, long story short, what we do is we do these retreats where we bring artists from all around the world. Um, this one that we have coming up is these are established artists. So that's part of the part where I said it's private. Like we have established artists coming in and it's the first time that they're all going to be collaborating with each other. So they'll be disconnecting and retuning for three or four days. And then it's open recording sessions and performances. And it's all done at, you know, these big private mansions. And it's just like a really cool connecting point for people from all around the world who've never met each other, but who are insanely talented to make music for the making music again, and not just for radio or not just for something like that. But the other retreats we throw are for upcoming musicians, but they're only for people in the Builder 500 Club. So it's only for our private club that we throw those for. Cool, man. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And yeah, I think that what you're speaking to in terms of, you know, like our society, or our culture or something that all of us can feel like in a certain way, is just like the stress of like the go-go-go, like consumerism, like wanting more and more and more and more, more, not enough, not enough, not enough. And certainly like, you know, there's some things built in the system in terms of, you know, you, how do you sell things by, you know, making people feel like they're not enough and by like showing... And, you know, there's, it's like our, our thoughts are like machines that help us to create you know, like future selves that in some ways can kind of like help us go towards it. But if you know, we identify with it too much, then we can you just live in, in total misery and not like really be connected with who we are. So I think that what you've created sounds so awesome as a way for people to really reconnect with their their true self and you know with nature which really is like when you take everything else out of it it's just the natural state of the way that it is exactly (laughs) and think about this right and i i've I've actually asked some of my friends who are like i'm I'm lucky in the sense where there's a bunch of us it's like probably five of us that know each other for 15 17 years and when we first started music you know we're recording in our closets and stuff and and over the years, we've all become award winners and we've all been very successful. And so it's kind of cool because we, we knew where it was when we first started and we and the grind of it all. And like whenever something big would happen, we you know, this would happen and then it would fall through. And oh, that didn't work out, you know, all those things. And I asked someone one day, I said, listen, imagine if I was opening up a laboratory. And they're like, all right. And I said, and someone came in and they said, Adam, I want to rent out your laboratory because you have like the best facility. And I said, okay, well, it's $100 an hour to rent it out. And I said, but first you got to let me know what you're going to be building in my, my laboratory. And they said, well, I'm going to design a poison that I'm going to put into the, the water stream and it's going to make people sick. If they told me that, I would say, oh, you can't do that in my place. Like, I'm not, I don't need to do that. Okay, let's take the fact that everyone, a lot of people call a studio, a laboratory. And that someone will say, I want to record this song. And I said, okay, what's the song about? It's a song about how everyone should be doing drugs right now and everyone should be like degrading the women and everyone should be like shooting people and like robbing people. And like, that's what I want the song to be about. And I'm like, oh, you want to create a mental virus and you want to create it with a spell in a sense, because this is what music is magic. So you want to use the form of magic as a spell and you want to put that into the, you want to broadcast it because that's what it is. It's casting a broad spell. So that's what you want to do. And you want to use my laboratory to do that. No, I'm not letting you use this thing. Mm. So because people have not, taking the step back to go, oh, wait, those are exactly the same things. Mm. So, you know, as bad as COVID is and, is and was, when you think about what's more powerful, a virus that can be passed through a cough and might go away after two weeks, and some people might have some really bad effects, or a mental virus that can 
bore in your subconscious and last with you for 25 years and you never even know it's there. And so this whole time you've been trying to seek validation through the completely wrong ways. You've been putting yourselves in really, really treacherous situations. You've been losing your morality. You've been selling yourselves short and selling yourselves quick and selling yourself cheap. All these things have been happening from the mental virus that was implanted by some of this music. What's the difference? What's worse? Any, any logical five-year-old will tell you the mental virus is way worse, but it's because the branding is so good that people get caught up in it. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's definitely a, a really interesting perspective. And, and I, I think you're right. That's something that we don't normally uh, pay attention to. Or we don't think about it that same way that like literally a song that's just all venomous and it's poisonous and it's de- you know, degrading to everyone. Like that's literally like you know, poisoning the water. Well, Oh man. Well, Hey, I want to, want to get ready to wrap up here, but yeah. dude, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and for doing what you do. I think it sounds awesome. I personally am very interested in learning more about um, the billboard 500 club and the retreats that you do. And for, for anyone that's uh, listening or watching this right now, um, where can they go to learn more and and you know, see both in terms of like the resources online and also like the retreats? Where can they find more about that? Yeah. So if anyone goes, I do I do something interesting now. I just started on Instagram. So if you go to Instagram, it's under music industry contact. Okay. So that's the the heading of us. Then on Instagram, what I do is a thing called pass or trash. And that happens twice a month. And basically what that is, is pass or trash is a way for me to help you in a real way in, the, in your career. So if you have a song that is really great and you want, you're just looking for someone to pass it along to an A&R, pass it along to a real record label, pass it along to, to a, the real artist that you're shooting for, I will do that. So if someone's song is amazing, I will show them online. I'm now connecting you with the head of Universal Records. I'm putting in an email, your name, their name, and your song, because I believe this song is that good, right? If it's not that good, then we say trash and it goes aside. We had one recently and there was one song that got passed along we passed it immediately to the head of a sync company the president of sync company was like here just heard this song at pass the trash i think this is a great track what do you think and then i connect the people too so it's not like a, i'll do it later it's like i'm sending the email right now you're on the email you're cc'd so you can see each other's email addresses you know it's legit so i do that on instagram every two weeks every monday for the next two months i do a thing called uh, monday motivation where i break down things about the music industry that you can't find in books that you can't find in colleges these are the real actualized way of how the business works that is at such a nuanced level that that most people never get there but if you understand it then it just makes everything else like so much easier because you have like a clear path so that's on that's on our instagram page but if you're looking for the things that i go in depth like i have in-depth courses that literally can teach people how to produce high quality songs within like a month or two if you just pay attention to them they're they're like the quickest fixes that i've seen at least online of how to produce how to write hit songs because there's there's a formula to this stuff most people don't know the formula, so they can't teach it. And most people don't have the ability to break things down on, 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 on such a finite level that I do that I'm able to kind of literally walk people step by step. And when you get done, you're like, oh my God, I created that song. And that song sounds just as good as some of the songs I hear on movies and TV shows. And I did that in two days. So I, I teach these things in these private courses. If you go to www.thebillboard500, so it's the billboard and then the number 500.com. Um, you can see all those private things. And I have a, like a ton of hacks on there. As far as the private retreats, those are only done for people who are members of the Billboard 400 Club. So if anyone is talented and driven, um, you can apply. And that's www.thebillboard500. You'll see a click here to apply. And uh, it's it's kind of similar to, I wouldn't say a music college because there is application process, but what we're looking for 
is someone who is hardworking, someone who has good skill sets, and more importantly, someone who has intention. Like we get a lot of applications and sometimes I go to their Instagram page and I'm just like, no, I'm not going to show them the secrets because the secrets that I give to people, I've made, I've literally helped so many people find success, like sign publishing deals, get songs on TV shows. Like it's, I have one of those freak of nature type things that if I touch it, it's going to turn to some sort of sort of gold. And I'm not going to give those tips and energy and secrets to people who have really negative intentions, especially if they have negative intentions to like for shock value for, to, for other people. So if you're a good person and you're doing music for the right reasons, then that's how you have like ability to get into the club. Mm. Very cool. Awesome, man. Well, what we'll do is uh, like always, we'll throw the links in the description. So people have easy access and uh, yeah, thanks again, man. It's been great connecting with you and it's definitely refreshing to to talk about you know what you guys are doing and really kind of helping people to cut through some of the the noise and the static to really kind of reconnect with with their true nature. So thanks for what you do. Thanks for the the time. And until next time. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.